Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Well, a Canadian journalist, highly respected, John Iveson of the National Post, has written a book that you'll be able to buy on Tuesday, which is going to have to be on everybody's must-read list. It's Trudeau, the Education of a Prime Minister. Trudeau, the Education of a Prime Minister, and we have the opportunity to speak with John Iverson about that book and about what he found out and what he's come away with. John, thank you very much for taking the time. No problem, Roy. Uh, you said that you find Trudeau, you describe him as one of the most compelling political figures of his time. I thought, I thought about that. I thought about the prime ministers that I've interviewed over the years. And, you know, in a, in a, for one term, he has gotten more attention and been in the spotlight more than any of the rest of them. Yeah, I think um, probably all the rest of them put together. I mean, he is a, a compelling figure, um, whether you like him or hate him. Um, you know, there are, there are things about him that, are, that he doesn't have in common with any of, the, any of his predecessors, but certainly that I've covered in the last 20 years. Um, you know, one, one writer described him as he works a crowd. It's like someone doing an easy crawl through lake water. And there is, a, there is something about him when you see him in a crowd that none of his current competitors can, can get anywhere close to. I talked to a lot of his advisors and the whole way through his career. You know, one of them, was, was a guy who covered politics in an age for 30 years, but he'd never seen anything like it. This guy sitting down, holding hands with a little old lady of, for 45 seconds, and she's beaming and saying, I met you when you were four. And he said, this is the type of stuff that makes most people, most politicians think, shoot me now. But he's loving it. And uh, he said, I can't think of another word for it other than gifted. He has so the... He, a, he is good at that kind of retail politics, and I think that that is what we're going to see again in the coming election. Yeah, and it's the, uh, the campaign's already underway. John, uh, how much access did you have to the Prime Minister or to his uh, his aides or the PMO, what access did they grant you for the book? Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, uh, I interviewed Prime Minister twice. I, I spent a fair bit of time with Gerald Butts, uh, his principal secretary, uh, Ben Chin, who's now his principal secretary. You know, they were, they were. I think they realized it was probably better to talk than not to talk. So, I'd, you know, there was a lot of uh, maybe what some people might call inside baseball, but I think a lot of insights into how this uh, Prime Minister's office has worked. Can we just go through a couple of uh, high-profile issues that have been part of his four years in government? And the one that probably sticks out to most people immediately, if you raise a controversial issue surrounding Trudeau, would be SLC-Lavalin and Jody Wilson-Raybould. What did you find out? What did you come away with on that? Well, I think that... In many ways, the, the die was cast when he was running. There was a third party. I think they had aspirations to be uh, to be the second party. I mean, I think initially this was seen as a two-election strategy to make Trudeau prime minister, and so they promised uh, they made promises to infinity and beyond. And you know, one of the promises they made was that openness and transparency will be our constant companion, and we will work to restore Canadians' trust in their government and democracy. Well, you know, they came to learn very quickly that you could be either open or you could govern. And I think that the, what struck me from the, the SNC-Lavalin uh, instance was, there was this government 
did exactly what most of its predecessors would have done, probably what Chrétien would have done, what Harper would have done. They had a, a, an obstinate minister who was not doing what they wanted her to do, and so they moved her into another portfolio. Um, it would probably other prime ministers would probably have gotten away with it, but this was a guy who had promised that he would not govern with cynicism, that um, that things would be different. And essentially, voters were hoodwinked in many ways and, into believing that, um, that you know the law, the immutable laws of politics and, and economics were going to be broken by this guy, and obviously they weren't. Yeah, and and John, I could follow up with Admiral Mark Norman, the India trip, uh, accepting the Bahamas trip to the Aga Khan's private island, where we have the four ethics violations, the ten point five million dollar payout to Omar Khadr, the commitment to balance the budget by two thousand. And 19, that's all going to be part of the the legacy of the first four years of office, and many people want it to be the last four years. He has to drag that all around with him and more. Right. I mean, he he is not a political neophyte. He was elected in 2008. Um, You know, he's been an MP for more than a decade. Nobody made him wear a Sherwani when he was in India or dance the Bangra. Nobody made him manhandle the conservative whip. Um, elbow an NDP MP on the floor of the House of Commons. Nobody compelled him to describe Fidel Castro as a larger-than-life leader or a reg- revolutionary, a legendary revolutionary. You know, there, there's a whole uh, tale of things that Trudeau has done in office that have made this election interesting. I mean, let's face it, the economy has been pretty benign. Unemployment is low. People feel relatively good about the way the, co- the, the, the country is performing economically. And yet it's going to be nip and tuck for Trudeau. I, I, I still think he'll win, and I, I think he'll probably win bigger than most people expect right now. But it shouldn't even be close. And the only reason it is close is because he has made unforced errors and broken a whole bunch of promises that he made in 2015. It gives people the opportunity to look him over more so than they should be able to. And, and, and no doubt the memories will be jogged by the opposition parties about these and other issues. Uh, as we head toward October the 21st. Then, John, we have Albertans' fury at Trudeau and the Western divide. We won't even, I don't even want to talk to you about the pipeline yet, but he's, he, has, he has to deal with the West. There he has the uh, probably the luxury of knowing that Alberta and Saskatchewan can't hurt him that much because they don't have that many seats. Right, and, you know, the, the opposition hold most of those already. You know, I think some people in Alberta really believe this government has deliberately tried to sink the oil industry. Uh, you know, oh, I know it. Right? I interviewed Bill Monroe, who said that's an absurd proposition, and he pointed to the, the $4.5 billion invested in, in Trans Mountain. But I do think that they, they went into government thinking, yeah, we'll support Keystone as a pipeline, we will support Trans Mountain as a pipeline, that will be enough for us. We will make sure that no more pipelines are built, and we will overhaul the regulatory system so that there is a cap on what uh, what is produced in Alberta. You know, this has taken by many people in Alberta and Saskatchewan as an assault on their interests by Ottawa, at the same time as more politically favoured parts of the country are benefiting, you know, increased equalisation payments to Quebec. So I can understand the anger in in, uh, in Alberta and Saskatchewan that, that this is not a government that is on their side. Did you find that people in the Liberal Party generally are supportive of Trudeau, or is there a significant faction or a group of liberals who would like to move on and away from him? I think they're generally supportive of getting re-elected. And the only time, the only wobble that I saw was when 
Jean, Jane Philpott resigned as minister. She was a popular minister. When she resigned, there were people I spoke to who were saying, we want uh, we go into the next election as a united party, but not necessarily united behind Justin Trudeau. I think that has passed. I think that was a, a there is a there are a lot of centrist liberals, particularly men, older men who are not in cabinet, who feel that this is a government that moved far, too far to the left, and that the Liberal Party has always done well by being a party of the centre, and. In, way, in some ways, it can't be helped by Justin Trudeau because that's who he is. He is more left than many of his MPs, and I think more left than, than most of the electorate. I think when we come to October the 21st, people are going to hold their noses and vote for him, but many are not convinced that uh, that he hasn't taken the, the country into areas that they would prefer not to go to. And I'm thinking of, of a lot of the, 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 the minority rights stuff, the apologies, a lot of things that people sitting in their homes looking at their pocketbook are going, I wish he would stop traveling around the world trying to change the world and save the world and would come back home and start thinking about me and, and my well-being. Does he care about that? I think he cares about getting re-elected, but I don't think, I think, for example, that his view of economics is that the golden goose will keep on laying, that it doesn't matter what they do to on the regulatory front to the oil industry, it will keep on producing profits that, you know, bring in corporate taxes and so on. I do not think that this is a government that has got a particularly good read or a concern about the economy, about deficits, about a lot of the things that many centrist voters care about. Okay, hold on, John. We'll come back with John Iverson. Back with uh, John Iveson, whose book, Trudeau, The Education of a Prime Minister, published by Penguin Random House, is released on the up, on uh, Tuesday, upcoming, a couple of days from now, after the long holiday weekend. Um, John, was there a, I just thought about this during the break, was there a snapshot moment to you that tells us who Justin Trudeau really is, or is he so much of a chameleon that you can't find a moment like that? Not just you, I mean, any of us. Yeah, well, I think that... Um so I, as preparation for this book, I read uh, the two biographies by John English of Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And English made the point about the father that assuming contradiction, contradictions in his life were more often consist, consistencies. And I think that's true of Justin, too, that the son shares many of these apparently paradoxical gifts. Intelligence, I mean, people think that, some people think he's, he's stupid, I would say he's more guilty of naivety than stupidity, but I, th- I think he's intelligent and disciplined, both of them intelligent and disciplined, but also spontaneous, risk-taking. It's very hard to pin him down. I mean, he is, he does live his life, I think, as we see it. I mean, I don't think that, that there's an off switch and then suddenly he changes. I think what we see is um, he lives his life on stage apart, uh, for the for the most part. Mm-hmm. As far as surprises or, or something that sort of revealed itself to me. I was told by Gerald Butts that um, when there were two uh, Canadians who were kidnapped in the Philippines, uh, early on in his uh, mandate, both of whom were unfortunately killed, 
Justin apparently told his mother that if she or his children were ever kidnapped, that he would do his duty rather than compromise the office to save them. That struck me as, uh, you know, there is a, a, a steel to this guy that was in keeping with his father. I think I think we saw it in the boxing match, for example, where where he trained hard. You know, he, he put his reputation and his, his body on the line for the job. We're more often, uh, we, we more often see the kind of lightweight side of Justin Trudeau. And, and there is no doubt that there is that side to him. And India was the, the epitome of that. But I think there is also a backbone to him that, that, um, that is there. Um, and maybe he's not as apparent to most Canadians. And it's only the odd occasion like that where it comes to light that this is a guy who is very disciplined and very determined. And he's not quite the, uh, uh, the the patsy that he's portrayed by his critics. He needs to be liked, doesn't he? I think he does need to be liked. I think there is a, a sense that, that uh, again, almost a paradox that he has this rhinoceros hide, according to some of his, his staff, when it comes to criticism. But at the same time, he feeds off this, this energy, which, uh, this adulation, in a way that I don't think is entirely healthy. Um, there were a couple of instances with Michael Ignatieff who, who struck me were, was the, uh, the absolute opposite of, of, of Trudeau one of them was that um, Ignatieff was going through a crowd and he was exhausted by the time that he reached the green room and, and Trudeau said to him you've got to feed off the crowd because if you, uh, if you let them drain you then, then, then you're no good to them afterwards and, and Trudeau does that I think with you know, large crowds and campaigning he is absolutely energized by that. Um, the other instance that struck me was in, in, in um, Ignatius' biography. He talked about never feeling so hollow as he did while he was campaigning. He said, if you turn into the guy you see in the mirror, then, then you're lost. You become the, the kind of rictus grin and geniality of a politician. Yet, Trudeau offered no such misgivings. He said that when he was elected, he found his true calling. And I think that that was quite revealing, that he, this, this is him. This is what he was always meant to be in his own mind, I think. Time's going by so quickly, we have about a minute and a half left. I have to ask you this, where does Gerald Butts fit into the Trudeau life? He is integral to it. I mean, I think that, that um, he is the intellectual bellwether of this, uh, this organisation. And, you know, the, the, the root of the, the bellwether word is that it was the, the, the lead sheet that had the bell in it. And I think in many ways, Trudeau has been the front man for this government selling policies that, uh, that, that Gerald Butts came up with. I mean, the, the whole middle class and those working hard to join it, the whole grand bargain on uh, carbon tax and pipelines, that was all him. Yeah. And he's back. Well, he's back sort of. a limited capacity. Sort of. Maybe, more, maybe more limited after the stories that we yeah. ran over the weekend about what he'd said about India. Um, I mean, as far as I'm aware, he is a, uh, he is a, a volunteer and he's, uh, I don't see him coming back full time into, uh, into the fold, particularly if they're re-elected. But yeah, I mean, they need him because he is not just uh, the, the campaign strategy guy, he's the policy guy. Well, John, I, uh, I thank you for taking the time. I wish we had a couple of hours to talk, but... Uh, we don't, and uh, it's great to talk to you. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the book it's in, a, in its entirety. I've learned a lot about him from you that I suspected but didn't know. 
Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. John Iveson from the National Post and his book is Trudeau, The Education of a Prime Minister. It'll be out on uh, Tuesday. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.